My name is Brad, and I'm the lead pastor here at Hillside Church, and I want to thank you for listening to one of our messages from Hillside Church. We believe that the God who spoke so clearly all through the pages of Scripture is still speaking today. So if it's me speaking or if it's someone else, we pray that the message you are about to hear would allow you to know God, know His hope, know His purpose, and know His power. Enjoy the message. Also in this season, we are having people from our church family share their stories with us. We want to see people filled with hope about what is possible in our lives with God. So if you find yourself in a place where you need the Lord to work a miracle in your life, today, following the message, we will have Julie Martin telling her story of the Lord's work in her life. And our prayer is that it would fill you with hope and courage to face whatever you are facing in life. Enjoy. This week, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 15, if you want to follow along in your Bibles today. Um, Over the course of the next couple of weeks, um, I want to talk to you about something that I think is going to be so important in the life of our church. But more importantly than that, I believe it'll be important for the life of our church. But I believe it'll be important in the life of our church because I believe it has the potential to be important in your life today. I want to highlight for you an invitation that God has for us, for you. But like any invitation that we're given to anything... We first, we have to accept it, that, that we can't just, the, the invitation itself doesn't mean much if we don't do anything with it. We have to accept the invitation, and, and it's going to take a little bit for us to accept this invitation from God. It's going to take a little bit of oomph, get up and go on our part to see God do what it is that, that God wants to do in our lives. Like I said, this week we started the, this, this sharing of stories. And next week we're actually going to have a different kind of story. Um, next week we're going to have a baby dedication. And so there's a different story that's being told there. It's not necessarily look at what God has done, but it's a commitment to saying look at what God will do. And so we're going to have that tomorrow. And then in the following weeks after that, we're going to have more stories and more stories. And I think that that God wants hope to come out of this for us, out of these stories. But also God wants to give us hope because the invitation that I believe that God has for us over the next couple of weeks as we unpack this idea is this is something I believe about this point in the life of our church and potentially about this point in your life that, that God right now wants right now in your life to be a time of testimony. To be the point in your life that you would look back and share a testimony about. That five, ten years from now, when when the next time the church says, hey, does anybody want to share a story about a time when God worked in their lives? That there would be people in our congregation that would want to tell a story about right now about the way that the Lord worked in their lives right now, this time in your life can become a testimony, can become your testimony right now in your life. You have the opportunity right now for this to be a time where you say, I needed God and there he was. And for so many of us, we need God to do something in our lives. Emotionally, spiritually, Physically, we need to be healed. 
They, they, you need the Lord to take something that's wrong, that's broken, and make it right. Whether it's something physical inside your body, or whether it's spiritual, and you, your spiritual walk with the Lord needs it, or it's emotional, that you need to have the Lord heal something, or, or maybe angerness, bitterness, hurt, unforgiveness. You need to be set free. That you need the Lord not to heal you, but to free you from an emotion, from a thought pattern, from something that's got a hold of your life that you just simply cannot let go of. Whether it's feelings about someone else, or even maybe more impactly, feelings about ourselves that we need to be set free from, that we've looked down on others or we've looked down on ourselves and repeatedly and over and over again we return to these same thought places that we just cannot get free from. But we need the Lord to set us free. Or perhaps it's relationship hurt and strain, boundaries pushed, social media conflict, and we need to be reconciled with one another. That maybe our relationships have been strained over the last while. A relationship has been strained that you can point to and say, we used to be this, now we're this. And I need the Lord's work in my life and I need him to perform a miracle to reconcile us back together. All that to say, for so many of us, for so many reasons, we need God to work. And God wants you to know that he is ready to work in our lives. He's ready and willing to make right now a time that will be your testimony in the future. Make right now a time where you look back and you say, I remember back to, to it was around Easter in 2021 when things were so bad. But then God came and started to work in my life. Then God came and started to work in my situation. I turned myself to God. And suddenly, right around that time, there was a shift that began to take place. But there is a part in this that we have to play. An action we can take. A posture that we have to take. And as much as we may need or want God to work in our lives, sometimes the posture, the, 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 part, the, the posture that we need to take, the part that we need to play, sometimes that thing gets in the way of God working in our lives. And sometimes we want God and we say, I just wish God would do something in my life. I just wish you'd do something in this relationship. I just wish you'd do something. But we don't do the stuff that we need to do. And I, I want to look at the truth of God wanting to work in our lives. And I also want us to understand the posture that we need to have in order for us to see God work in us. And I want to begin this, this talk because I think, begin this, this series over the next couple of weeks with, with the story of the prodigal son that I want to share with you today. Because I believe that there's an exact point in the prodigal son where we can see exactly what it is that I'm talking about. If you're not familiar with the story of the prodigal son, it's what's found in Luke chapter 15. And the story of the prodigal son, it's about a man with two sons. It's a story that Jesus tells. It's, it's not a story about two, a man with two sons that, that lived and existed. It's a story that Jesus tells. And he tells this story about a man with two sons. They're, they're a very well-off family with lots of money and possessions and everything that made people wealthy in that time. But one of the sons was getting antsy. Because it's one thing to come from a wealthy family, but it's another to have all that wealth to yourself. 
And so he goes to his dad and he says, Dad, I want my share of the family estate. I want my inheritance. I want all the things that are going to come to me eventually. Dad, I want them now. And his father gives it to him. And he, then he does whatever any young man with given a, a whole giant stacks of cash would go and do. He blows it. He spends it all. He, he, he lives it up. He's, he's throwing parties. He's being generous. He's doing all kinds of stuff. He's, he's, he's spending his money like it will never run out until it turns out that it could run out. How could I possibly ever spend this kind of money? And then he did. I remember when I was a teenager... Everybody always told me that I had such thick hair I could never go bald. He had so much money, he could never spend it all. He could never spend it. Until one day, his ATM card was declined. He went to go, and it was all gone. And he has no tangible skills. He's lived a life of privilege He's not invested in himself or his abilities. And so he has no tangible skill. He has nothing to offer. And he's completely broke, has no skills, and he has no cash. And what he ends up doing is he ends up working at a pig farm. But really only about one rung above the pigs. He's not the manager he, he's not any kind of prominent position with, at the is, is He is right in the mud and the, the grossness, right with the pigs, essentially living one rung on the ladder above the pigs, or maybe below the pigs, depending on how you choose to look at it. It says this in verse 15 of Luke 15. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who, who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. That's poor. That's destitute. That is low. When in your life, you're jealous of the food that the pigs are eating. Because nobody's feeding pigs good food. You know the, the food that goes into your organics bin? That's the food that the pigs are getting eaten. Nobody's giving them all the fresh good vegetables. It's the stuff that, that if it's the last stop before the garbage dump is the pig pen. And he looks at that and goes, man, if only. If only I could get my hands on some of that. But then he has this moment where he remembers his dad. He remembers his life at home, what life was like. Now, many of, for many of us, the idea of taking the story of the prodigal son and applying it to our own lives can cause us to stumble because we look and look at the story of the prodigal son and say, he chose that. His choices led him there. My choices didn't lead me here. I'm not here because of, of dumb decisions I made. I'm not here because of my foolishness. I'm not here because I'm an idiot. 
outside things took place in my life that have brought me to this place. Maybe it's somebody else's decisions and you're forced to deal with the consequences of it. Maybe it's just a health diagnosis that you had no control over. There's all kinds of reasons why we got there. And for some of you, maybe you look and you can over-empathize with the prodigal son and say, yeah, I was dumb. I'm here right now because I made stupid choices. I should have done these things and instead I did all the opposites and I've earned everything I've got right now. But no matter how we got there, the point isn't that we're going to look at, the point isn't how the son got there. But the point is this is the moment we're going to stop at where we're going to look at our lives and say, things are not okay. Maybe you look at your life and you say, things are not okay. This is not okay. This is broken. This is something that's wrong inside of my life, just like the prodigal son did in this moment. He looks around and he sees what his life is now, and he decides something. He makes a decision. I need to go home. I need to go back to my dad. Verse 17. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my, my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired hands, hired servants. So he got up. And he went to his father. He realizes in this moment, as he's jealous of the pigs, that something is messed up. That he's messed up, that he's broken. But he realizes, I can always try going back home. I can always try going back to dad. I can always try and come home. Now, just as a side note, as I was preparing this sermon, I believe that God deposited a word in my heart for somebody who's here or who's watching this or who will hear this. But it's, it's a word of encouragement. You have found yourself in the mud. And you've convinced yourself that you deserve the mud. That you earned the mud. That you're nothing but mud. You've messed up. You've made a mistake. And you've convinced yourself that the best your life can possibly be, the best you can have to offer, the best that it will ever be, is mud. The best you is mud. But God wants you to know today that you are not the mud. And that it's time for you to come out of that mud. And in this moment, the, the, we see what needs to take place. We see that we need to take a step in our lives. We, we need to have our down in the mud and the pigs moment in our lives. And where we decide it's time to go back to the Father. And it's hard to come to that place. It's hard to come to the place that the prodigal son comes to because it takes humility to admit that we are where we are. It takes humility 
to admit I'm not where I should be. It takes humility to admit that as right as we believed that we were, maybe that we still believe that we are, that my rightness brought me to this place. It's painful to accept that we've wandered away from where we should be. And it's shameful to see that our lives are not what they should be. It takes humility. It, it can be painful. It, it can bring shame for us to come to a place where we can look at the story that our lives have told and say we're at a breaking point right now. We don't want to admit we're there. We want to think, I've got it together. I can do this. I can make it happen. It's not as bad as it looks. Everything is okay. It's, it can be painful. It can be shameful. It can be so humbling to have to say, I'm jealous of the pigs. I want to eat pig slop. I've earned this mud. But the son says to himself, I'm tired of the mud life. I'm tired of smelling like sin. I'm tired of living in the shame. I'm tired of feeling condemnation. I hate how icky I feel on the inside. I don't feel good about me or about where I am. And in this moment, he realizes something has to change. But it needed to start with him. He had to do something with it. He had to get up. He could have done what so often we do in our own lives. He could have sat in the mud and said, where is my dad? He should save me. I wish he would save me. If only he would do something. He could have just sat in the mud and been angry at his dad. And how often do we sometimes do that? We sit in our muck. We sit in our sin. We sit in the situation we found ourselves and we'd be mad at God because he's not doing anything about it. So God should be doing something about this. I shouldn't be here. If God was good, how come he doesn't just pick me up and take me out of here? But the prodigal son had to do more than just be mad at God. He needed to get up and move. For the, that son to get up from where he was and to walk back to his father was going to take some oomph on his part. And this right here is the moment that I want to explore over this week and over the next couple of weeks. This, this moment of... So he got up and went to his father. This moment is the moment we're going to be looking at, the moment of realization that we need to come into our lives where we realize it's time for a change, it's time for something different, life needs to change, what we're doing isn't it, and something has to be different. That for so many of us, the stories that our lives can be telling are leading us towards this mud moment. And what I want to invite you to is maybe preemptively or maybe you're already down in the mud. But what I want to invite you to is to have this moment like the prodigal son has where he says, something's got to change. I need to be free from my past 
so I can walk free into my future. We're going to be looking at how, how we can come to this moment and how a moment like this is shaped in our lives and what happens in our lives when we choose to go back to the Father. But there is a difference between this moment for the Son and the moment where we find ourselves. Because as the Son decides to go back, he really has to hope for his Father's goodness. That hopefully everything is going to be okay if he goes home. But friends, we don't have to hope. We don't have to, to go on faith or hope to return to our dad, to our father in heaven. Because we discover we're invited. Joel chapter 2 verses 12 and 13 says, Even now declares the Lord... Return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. It's not too late. This is God's personal message for you today. It's time to come back home. Rend your heart and not your garments, God says in, in these verses. He says, change your life. Don't just change your clothes. See, it's not just a change in situation we need. So often that's what we long for. If only my situation could change. If only the things happening around me were different. If only I had a different job. If only I got along with my wife better. If only we weren't in the midst of a pandemic. If only, if only all of these outside things would be different, then I would be different. But God says it's not about changing the outside things. It's about changing the inside things. That if you change your heart and not your clothes, your job is going to be different. Your relationship with your spouse will be different. We'll still be in the middle of a pandemic, Lord willing, for not that much longer. But right now, we're still going to be, but we're going to go through it differently. So much of our life and time is spent trying to make everything look right. Look just so. Look like we ought to. But God is saying to us today, it's not about how we look. It's not about looking the part, but I want you to be way more than looking right. I want your heart. I want you to live right. God isn't looking for behavior modification. God's looking for life transformation. So, so God is, is saying to us to, today, stop looking to just change the outside. Because I want to change your inside. Return to the Lord your God. Come back home, just like the prodigal son. But what Joel tells us is that God is everything, that God is everything that the prodigal son hoped his dad would be. The prodigal son thought to himself, maybe if I go home, maybe dad will have mercy on me. Maybe if I go home, dad won't hate me. Maybe if I go home, he won't have me killed. Maybe if I go home, he'll just give me a job. 
maybe. But we don't have to live in maybe. Joel tells us that this is what we know. That God is kind and merciful. He takes a deep breath. He puts up with a lot. This most patient God who's extravagant in love is always ready to cancel catastrophe. This is what we know about our father. So the prodigal son had to hope all of this was true. But we know this to be true about our father. For the prodigal son, what happened when he went home? So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son told him, Father, I have sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. What does dad do in response to that? But the father said to his servants, ignoring his son, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put, or put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for I hired a new employee today. No. His son said, I am not worthy to be your son. And his dad says, for this son of mine was dead and now he's alive. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. It's not too Late. It's never too late. Even if you've made everything into a catastrophe, you've made a mess out of everything, there's all kinds of baggage in your world, there's all kinds of brokenness in your home. It's not too late. But just when you think that it's gone and dead and done, God shows up in your pig pen. God shows up in your living room today. God shows up on your cell phone today. God shows up in your life today and says to you, it's time to come home to me. We have a father who is kind and merciful and loving. We just need to decide to come home to him. God is giving you an opportunity today. I'll be there tomorrow. It'll be there tomorrow. It's not just for today, but God is inviting you today to make this the day. See, it's not that God is saying, if you don't do it by tomorrow, you're out. It's not a time-sensitive thing. But God is saying, today can be that day. And tomorrow he will say to you, today can be that day. But God is saying to you, why not now? It's not too late. It's a fresh opportunity that you woke up to. It's a new chance you woke up to. It's a new beginning that you woke up to today. God is saying to us today, now is the time. Now is the opportunity in your life. But when God says to you, now is the time, he doesn't just mean right now, oops, you missed it. It's not about timeline. Now is the time not because of timeline. Now is the time because of God's invitation. It's not about the timeline it's about the invitation. It's not about now, now, now. It's about today is a great day. It's time for us as a people. It's time for you as an individual. It's time for me as an individual to say, I'm going to get my life right. I'm going to get my morality right. I'm going to get my values right. 
I'm going to get my relationships right. I'm going to get my attitudes right. I'm going to get my mind right. I'm going to get my soul right. I'm going to get everything right. It's time. But, just like the prodigal son, it's not just enough to say it. We've got to do something with our words. You can't just stay there on the couch. You can't just stay there in your pain. You can't just stay there in your bitterness. You can't just stay there in your unforgiveness. You can't just stay there in your judgmentalness. You can't just stay there in your pig slop. You have to get up and start heading home. Start heading back to God. Now is the time. But we've got to get up. It's time to seek the Lord. I want to close with one last verse where God is calling us home and he's calling us to get up out of our mud. But we have to do something with it. Hosea chapter 10 verse 12 says, Sow righteousness for yourselves. Reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up your unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. It's time to seek the Lord. It's time to come home. Hello everyone. My name is Julie Martin and here's my story. I was raised in, I was born and raised in the province of Quebec in a French family of three children. Uh, when I was very young, I had the privilege to be in a Christian environment for five short years. Unfortunately, when I was about nine years old, having been disappointed and hurt by men, my parents made the choice to walk away from the walk away from the church and the Lord altogether. From then on, I was raised and living a normal, worldly life. It was a drastic change. My teenage years were filled with challenges, hard ones. But despite the challenges, one can say that I was a good girl, but I was a broken girl. When I was 20 years old, I was very excited to leave home for an adventurous life. I left Quebec and came to Alberta. I wanted to work here in order to travel, learn English, live the life to be free. Following my heart and some wrong influences, I sadly made a lot of wrong decisions, enjoying life, but too often in an unhealthy way. Few years passed and God was knocking at the door of my heart. Sometime, something in the Christian life was intriguing and attracting to me. So sometime in 1996, I started to declare that I was a Christian and began to go to church. In September 1998, after dating for five years, Bill and I became husband and wife. We were excited to finally be Mr. and Mrs. Martin, living our new life as a married couple. But the honeymoon bliss didn't last for very long. One month after getting married, I was involved in a serious bike accident. I was urgently sent to the ER in a semi-coma state with a skull fracture and internal head bleeding. Um, that same day, I had an urgent open head surgery to fix me all up. Several weeks later, after extensive testing, I received my diagnosis. I had suffered from brain damage and I was immediately referred to a re rehabilitation program. My accident 
my accident drastically changed my life. I was now having important problems with my concentration, memory loss, divided attention, learning abilities, processing information, and suffering from drastic fatigue. I felt as if, as if I woke up one day in a body, in a body that wasn't mine. I, as if I was two people now, Julie the body and Julie the soul. I felt lost and trapped in a body that I no longer knew. I could no longer take anything for granted. Each day had to be carefully planned. Being in perfect health otherwise, I wasn't showing any outward signs of my injuries. So therefore I felt misunderstood and very alone. I was now living with an important but invisible disability. About a month after my accident, alone that one night in bed, I came to the realization that I had almost died. Almost died. That was a very scary thought for me. I started to shake and cry because I had no idea where I would have gone if I would have died that night, that day. No idea. The, the uncertainty and fear of the unknown scared me to my core. I had taken Jesus and his gifts of salvation very lightly and never really addressed the question seriously. At that very moment, I started to remember some biblical teaching I had received over the years. All the puzzle pieces were coming together. It was beautiful. I understood I was a sinner and that there were no place in heaven for me as I was. I believed that Jesus was the Son of God and accepting his gift that he came to die for me. By doing so, he was taking all of my punishment for all of my sin, for my past, present, and even future, making me clean in the eyes of God. Lying in my bed, very much aware that I wasn't deserving him, I humbly asked him for the forgiveness of my sin and that I wanted to give him my life. I did not have all the answers and understood everything that night, but I did know I was a child of God. It was glorious. A year passed and I thought I could achieve anything with my drive, my willpower, and my positive attitude. But after many relapses, after trying and pushing myself too hard, I finally understood I had to stop fighting as I was not in control nor the boss of my body or my life. God was. My focus had to change. I had to concentrate on all the good things I had left and stop focusing or dwelling on all the things I had lost and may never get. I had reached a cross walk where I had to accept my new reality. I found myself mourning for the Julie I once knew. I found myself at 29 and my whole world had fallen apart. So many questions were coming to my mind. Will I ever be able to have children? What about my dreams and my ambitions? A very powerful verse helped me greatly. I had made a poster out of it and put it on my bedroom wall. I would read it every morning as I step out, out of bed and every chance I had. This verse is often taken too lightly, but please consider it. Matthew 6:34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I was holding on to God's promises, soaking myself in his teaching. I was learning that God allows trials and tribulation to the benefit of our own growth, to build our character for our good and ultimately his glory. I had to give him thanks and everything because he had a perfect plan for me and that he loves me with perfect love. The cross had shown me that. 
protesting and complaining of the painful circumstances he was using to make me grow would only slow the work that he was trying to do in me. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has seized you except that is common to men. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand, stand up under it. Even though I was suffering, I decided to let go. I was choosing joy. The years were passing by and I kept getting better, not by much, and very slowly, but better. God was doing a miracle in my physical life and in my soul. It's been over 22 years now since I had my head injury. I'm still suffering from fatigue and neurological problems, and that reality would be with me for the rest of my life. I do believe, however, that through life, God always gives us exactly what we need. I do. Granted, it doesn't always look that way, but he eventually always turns everything for our good. Always. He doesn't waste anything. No pain, no tears. He takes the good, the bad, and the ugly and always turns it for good, for our good, and ultimately for his glory. Always. When I stop and think of, of what God has done for me over the years or what Christ had to go through for me, for my salvation, it's overwhelming. It really is. It's glorious in every way. We are to take the focus off of our lives, away from us. God is sovereign over everything. He wants for us to trust Him and His will in our lives, to rest in His love, His promises, but mainly to focus and rest in Him because of who He is. Thanks for listening to this message from Hillside Church. I pray that you were blessed by what God had to say in this message. If you would like to connect further with Hillside Church, there are a couple places you can go. Hillsideairdry.ca is our website, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Hillside Airdrie. You can also look us up on YouTube and find all of our messages on Apple Podcasts. If you would like to connect to the pastoral team at Hillside, you can do that through our website, hillsideairdry.ca, and click on About Us in the main menu, and then click on Our Pastors. We're so thankful to be able to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ with our community in Airdrie and with you today. At Hillside Church, we are a family, not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. And that family includes you. As family we go.
The D.